Join me in prayer. O oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. Have you ever felt like an outcast? I don't know about you, but I certainly have. In eighth grade, when I came across Emily Dickinson's poem, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? I almost jumped out of my seat and looked around to see if she was watching me. How did she know? Then I started to go to church, not because I believed in God, but because I was bored and maybe wanted to find God if God was real. I would have endless arguments with my Sunday school teacher as we explored God's existence. Even at church, I was a loner because I was the only one who didn't believe in Jesus. Then one day, my Sunday school teacher, Sue, asked me if I wanted to join the youth group praise band. You see, every self-respecting Korean immigrant church youth group had a praise band. Guitar, drums, vocals, keyboard, the whole nine yard, and all made up of high school kids. And they rocked and looked super holy. I was confused by the question. Me? Praise band? What? I stared at her blankly and said, but I don't know if I believe in Jesus. And she smiled and said, that's okay. But I don't know how to play any instruments. That's okay. Can you sing? Nope, I replied. She paused and said, that's okay. I said, well, what do you want me to do in the praise band? And she said, if you say yes, I'll find something for you to do. So I said, yes. And that's how I became the motion girl. I would do motions to the songs they would sing. We practiced, prayed, and hung out together every week. And after about three months or so, I began to love Jesus, who saw me and knew me and grew deeper and deeper in my faith, knowing I belonged to the family of God. Last Sunday, we kicked off our fall sermon series, Made Well, where Pastor Nate talked about how God made us well in the beginning, that we were blessed from the very beginning. Today, we explore how we have been made well as a community and how we have been made to be a blessing. When we think of community, we think of our church. And when it comes to church, most people think that we have to believe in certain set of doctrines and dogmas in order for us to belong. Oftentimes, we think first you have to believe, then you become a Christian, and then you can finally belong, right? We say to others, if you don't have the right beliefs, then you don't belong with us, 
you can't be part of our community. But you see, that wasn't the case for me. My Sunday school teacher said to me, you belong with us. You're part of the family and embraced and accepted me fully into the community, which led me to believe in God and eventually led me to become a pastor. Belong, believe, become. Honestly, if I had to have waited to believe in order to belong, I might still be a nobody today. So what does it mean to be a community? It means we belong to each other and to God. And that's where we find ourselves in our Exodus text today. It starts with how Israelites belong to God. God leads the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they come to the wilderness in Sinai when God calls them God's treasured possession, priestly kingdom, holy nation. God lets the Israelites know that they are God's people even before they know anything or do anything or believe anything. Remember, Moses doesn't receive the Ten Commandments until the next chapter, Exodus 20. And I can't talk about community without talking about our small groups. We just started 10 weeks of fall small groups last week. And if you haven't joined the small group, it's not too late. That's where we experience a strong sense of belonging. I've heard from so many people how small group has become a family for them. So what else does it mean to be God's community? Going back to the text, God reminds them of what God did to the Egyptians and how God bore the Israelites on eagles' wings and brought them to God. God wants them to know who God is, the God who sees them and cares for them. And this is the God they believe. A famous theologian, Marcus Borg, writes in the heart of Christianity, prior to the 17th century, the word believe did not mean believing in the truth of statements or propositions. Grammatically, the object of believing was not statements, but a person. Moreover, the context in which it is used in pre-modern English meant to hold dear, to prize, to give some, one's loyalty to, to give oneself to, to commit oneself. Most simply, to believe meant to love. Indeed, the English words believe and beloved are related. What we believe is what we beloved. Faith is about beloving God. Being in community together means to believe God, or rather to beloved God, the God we know through our relationships and shared experiences, like being an eagle's wings. What about you? What do you believe or beloved? And finally, the Israelites become. You see, 
God chooses the Israelites, the nobodies of the world, probably the lowliest of the lows, and makes a covenant with them, an exclusive covenant to be their God and for them to be God's people. Back in the ancient Near Eastern world, this was unheard of. No God ever made an exclusive covenant with a group of humans, let alone slaves and weaklings like the Israelites. This made no sense to the Egyptians, Canaanites, nor Babylonites, Babylonians. They actually thought this was disgusting. They worshipped strong gods and they lived in the world where only the rich and powerful mattered and were favored by gods. Only the top 1% mattered and the rest were nobodies. In a world like that, God calls Israelites for a purpose because God says, since you were one strangers in the foreign land, be kind to strangers. Since you were once outcasts and slaves, you know what it's like to be poor and oppressed, so work for justice. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God chose nobodies like the Israelites because they would understand other nobodies. God chose slaves like the Israelites because they would understand and work to free those who are oppressed. God chose them so that the world may reflect God's justice, mercy, and love for all people. A famous missiologist, Chris Wright, says, It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10, it says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The mission? To be a blessing to all nations. The mission? To make God known by declaring the praises of the one who called us. We're made into a community so that all people will be blessed, including those who are considered nobodies in the society, the poor, widows, orphans, foreigners, and the destitute. So we go from Genesis 1, where we are made well and blessed individually, to Exodus 19, where we are made into a priestly nation, God's beloved community, charged with the task of blessing and making God's world well. One thing I love about going into our new youth pastor Kelsey's room is that I get to see what's written on her whiteboard. I found the following questions to ask and not to ask herself as she does youth ministry. So it says, stop asking. How do I get the kids to youth group? How do I make youth group into a program they'll enjoy or will fill my numbers? How many kids showed up? 
How can I make everybody happy? And then on another column, ask these questions. How am I loving them? How am I pointing them towards God? How are we growing as a community? How are we connected to the church as a whole? How am I a participant in God's ministry here? How are we helping those in our community? The first set of questions points to community for community's sake. The second set of questions is mission-focused. I wonder if we ask way too much of the first set of questions and not ask enough of the second set of questions. What kinds of questions do you find yourselves asking? So after college, I went to seminary and I was working as a youth pastor at a small church in Chicago. There's a youth rally at a different church and I took my youth group there and guess who I ran into? My Sunday school teacher, Sue, who I haven't seen since high school, still working with the youth now in her 50s. We hugged and she was in tears when she heard I was in seminary and I was in tears too and held her hand and said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for you and the youth group. If you, if, it hasn't, if it hadn't been for you embracing me and welcoming me into God's family, into the community, I wouldn't be here. Thank you. Friends, that's how God's community works. Once you belong, you can't unbelong. It doesn't matter if we're apart or together, we're brought together when we continue on with the mission of blessing our world and making it well, wherever we may be. Amen.